You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Line of Scrimmage podcast presented by Tomahawk Nation. Strap yourself in for the next 10 to 15 minutes as we chatted up with a member of the media from FSU's next opponent. My name is Tim Allenball and up first, we're going to be talking to FSU's week zero game with the Duquesne Dukes. And to help our listeners out to get to know the Dukes a little bit better, we have Brad Everett with the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Brad, how are you doing, man? Hey, Tim, doing pretty well, man. Um, Yeah, thanks for having me on. Brad, um, you know, Perry and I's vision for this with Tomahawk Nation was to kind of really talk to a a beat writer that's there either through the SB Nation format or, you know, covering it for one of like the rival or recruiting sites. But uh, it's really kind of hard to find that for Duquesne. And uh, I think, you know, you and I were talking a little bit pre-podcast, getting to know Duquesne is a little bit new for you, right? Exactly. I mean, um, you know, like we're, you know, we're, well, we are like one of the, you know, like one of the main media outlets uh, here in town, but um, you know, like with there being so many, you know, like other sports going on with the pro teams and the D one sports um, you, you know, like we really don't have a, you know, like we really don't have a regular beat person for Duquesne or anything. I'm actually a high school beat writer and which kind of gives me a different perspective from the fact that I've covered a lot of these kids in high school, you know, back when they were in their high school days. So, you know, some guys that we'll be talking about, you know, guys like Todd Hill, uh, you know, like one of the top players for Duquesne this year, you know, guy that I watched a lot in high school. So, um, you know, uh, I mean, kind of different seeing these guys, uh, you know, out there, but, you know, it should be a good season for the Dukes. And um, um, yeah, looking forward to seeing how they do in this big opener. Yeah. A, a man after my own heart, I got to get my start on Tomahawk nation recovering the incoming uh, commits in their high school write-ups and finding finding that information pre like twitter days was a struggle so uh yes Yes. (laughs) life has become a little bit easier but as you said a pretty good season probably you know coming up for the dukes 
They're coming off of a seven and three season that included their first win over an FBS opponent. Uh, they're preseason number two in the Northeast Conference. And they've really kind of string of success here over the last few years. So I wanted to see if you could kind of just speak to the success of the program under head coach Jerry Schmidt. Is there a particular area that he really excels at? What is it about Duquesne that's given them recent success? They've just been consistent. I mean, ever since he's been there, um, you know, this is a program that, you know, I mean, I'm sure not a lot of your readers or listeners are very familiar with Duquesne athletics or Duquesne football, but I mean, up until, um, uh, you know, up until 1993, this was a Division three program. Um, you know, they weren't even at the Division two level, uh, you know, like let alone Division one. So, and they've only had two coaches since 1993 as well. Uh, they had Greg Gattuso, who's actually the uh, current coach at Albany right now. He's uh, um, had a lot of success out there. He came in, coached from 93 to 2004. And then that's when Jerry Schmidt arrived, who he's actually – longer tenured than Mike Tomlin is, uh, here in Pittsburgh. So, I mean, uh, you know, uh, yeah, Mike Tomlin's been with the Steelers for 16 years. Jerry Schmidt's been at Duquesne for 18 years, but they've just been very consistent. Um, you know, going back, uh, you know, just overall consistency. I mean, you know, like they've, you know, they've changed coordinators throughout the years, but, um, you know, I mean, just a, you know, just a hard, you know, like a lot of people look at the Steelers and a lot of the Pittsburgh teams is kind of having that blue collar mentality. A lot of people talk about and, and, and I mean, that's probably the case with this Duke team too, you know, I mean, kind of like a grind it out team and, uh, you know, and, and that's kind of been the case throughout the years. And, you know, a lot of guys on that team that, you know, playing at that FCS level that feel that, you know, they were probably slighted by division one schools and, you know, we're going to go out and, 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 you know, we know we could be playing at a higher level, but we're not, but you know what, we're going to go out there and we're going to show you that, you know, we're really good. So uh, yeah, I mean, you know, that consistency has kind of been a trademark and he's going to try to keep it going here this season. You know, you, you mentioned some of those players that feel like they belong at the higher level. And we're going to get into those players here in a minute because Duquesne's got some really interesting players. Uh, I want to start on offense first uh, because the Dukes are entering this season with one of the uh, either dreadful or favorite things people love. And that's a quarterback competition. Um, they had they had two quarterbacks last year playing with with Joe. And I'm going to maybe say this wrong. Mischler, mm-hmm. who got that's hurt. It. And then Darius Perantes came in there. Do you kind of have a pulse on who's going to win this competition and how it's going to shake out? And how different are these type of quarterbacks or are they similar styles? Yeah, they're in a unique situation. And, and, and you know, it's not a case, you know, some schools are still trying to, you know, are still trying to figure out if they have one decent quarterback. But, you know, Duquesne has, you know, not only two decent ones, but two good ones. And, um, you know, Joe Mishler you know, he came in a couple of years ago. Uh, he was a starter during the 2021 spring season. Um, you know, uh, Duquesne didn't have a fall season uh, in 2020, but the 21 spring season, he was a starter, was an all-conference pick, uh, played really well that year. Uh, you know, he moved into the starting role, did a great job, uh, went seven and two as a starter last year, good numbers. Um, you know, both of those guys, pretty similar. You know, I mean, like both of those guys, you know, have good arms, can move not your traditional like dual threat guys, you know, like they can both run, but you know, like they're not, you know, like they're not going to, you know, be, you know, doing these 20, 30 yard runs, you know, like a Jordan Travis might be pulling off or something. So, you know, like not, you know, like not big time scramblers, but they can both play and they both have experience under their belt. Um, And, you know, this, I mean, like I have a guess on who's going to start. I mean, my guess is probably Mishler, but I mean, I could see it going either way. Uh, Duquesne released their death chart uh, uh, 
um, I believe last week it was, and uh, uh, and they're both listed as or. So uh, you know, uh, you know, like the great or. So yeah, Mike Mishler uh, or uh, Joe Mishler or Darius Prentice. I don't know which one we'll get. Heck, we may get both. Uh, you know, there come Saturday, we'll just have to wait and see. But uh, yeah, pretty interesting. Uh, uh, yeah, pretty interesting competition. Most of the. You know, most of the media attention in Pittsburgh has been on the Steelers quarterback competition. Uh, they're between Mitch Trubisky, Kenny Pickett, and Mason Rudolph. But, uh, but uh, you know, this is important in its own right. Mitchler, do they have any concerns about the injury or, you know, pretty healthy, not, not really concerned at all there? Pretty healthy. I mean, I went to a practice uh, earlier this month and um, I didn't, you know, going into it, I didn't know if he'd be practicing or what his deal was. But not only was he practicing, I mean, there was no brace on him. I mean, he seemed to be moving well. Uh, so, I mean, that injury seems to be well behind him. So uh, he seems to be recovering well. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't think there's any ill effects there. I think he's a full go. So, you know, I mean, it's all going to be up to Jerry Schmidt as far as, you know, which guy he wants in there uh, come Saturday. at Do- um, As far as the rest of the offense, um, you know, they had a really good receiver. I think he signed with the Bears and, and Cyrus Holder last season, but he's gone. A lot of the receiving core is gone. What can FSU expect from the rest of the skill players for Duke? I think they can uh, they can expect some explosiveness. Uh, there's definitely that there. You know that was a big loss there in Holder, but uh, they you know they still have some 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 really talented guys back, and uh, that actually starts. And it's and it's interesting because when Joe Mishler's in the game, they could have a backfield that actually played with one another in high school because. Joe Mishler uh, went to Cathedral Prep High School, which is located in Erie, Pennsylvania, uh, uh, one of the better programs in the high school level in this part of the state. And Joe Mishler was the quarterback on that team. Billy Lucas was the running back, and Billy Lucas is the starting running back now at Duquesne. So uh, he's a shifty guy, you know, six foot, uh, 210-pound kid that can really move. Um, He was an all-conference kid uh, last year. Uh, and you know, big things are expected of him this year. And another skill guy who actually has a brother that plays in the NFL, uh, that would be Joey Isabella, uh, whose brother Andy Isabella was a big time receiver at UMass, uh, uh, about what probably about three or four years ago. And uh, he's in the league now with the Arizona Cardinals. So Joey Isabella, same, you know, similar to his brother in that, you know, not a very big kid, but just really scrappy and 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 you know, will probably put up uh, you know, some pretty big numbers as far as receptions go. And they have a lot of D, you know, um, a lot of F, you, you know, it's a lot of guys that have transferred from the FBS level. Uh, one of those guys being Raymond Hart, who's another local guy from the Pittsburgh area. He was a Ball State. He played there, and he's expected to be one of their starters. Uh, speedy guy. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they lost Holder, but they definitely have some some good running backs, receivers back on top of those two experienced quarterbacks. And uh, so, you know, I mean, like, I think that's pretty good for them moving forward. There's, there's definitely, I guess, I want to say uncertainty, but yet at the same time, uh, it's not uncertain because they do have some, some good names there. The one fun name that I really was going to talk about, but uh, he's gone, is the guy that's now uh, in the WWE uh, <laughs> <laughs> developmental program, uh, Masick. Uh, I actually was looking at some pictures of him the week, uh, last week or earlier this week or whatever with Triple H and stuff. That's hilarious uh, that that's the route he went <laughs> yeah that's really good stuff yeah like we actually have a story coming on um uh him i think it actually is online now actually that we just have but yeah i mean that's a pretty good story on there and uh, uh yeah like roman Masick, uh who's yeah like could have played football this year on this team but instead uh he's passing it up for a career in the wwe and you know considering what some of those people make i don't blame him one bit yeah exactly <laughs> get paid for getting beat up uh yeah. but 
for me, the, the really interesting side for the Duquesne Dukes is the defensive side of the ball because there's two names that really stick out. And these guys are studs. Uh, one is linebacker Todd Hill, which I think in your article, which we're going to post in our, uh, on our site, is, is switching actually more into not a defensive end, but on a 3-4, he's going to be that outside linebacker that's really crashing off the end. But then my favorite is the Austrian sensation defensive tackle, uh, Maxi Radechny. Uh, if you could kind of give some, two, some details on these two guys for the listeners and why they're the stars for that Duquesne defense and uh, just a little more about that 3-4 base defense that they run. Right. Well, well, they, you know, this is a team that's, you know, been strong defensively in recent years, but they went out and they got a new defensive coordinator this year. Uh, they went out and got a guy named Mike Craig, who was uh, previously defensive coordinator uh, at IUP here in the area, uh, really strong division two program. And Mike Craig, um, what's interesting about him, a little side note is his, uh, his wife's grandfather is, uh, uh, was a guy by the name of Boyd Brumbaugh, Boyd Brumbaugh and Boyd Brumbaugh, he quarterbacked Duquesne to an Orange Bowl win in 1937 against Mississippi State, 13 to 12 over Mississippi State. So 85 years ago, you know, 85 years ago, 85 years later, will Mike Craig, will he come down to Tallahassee and, and you know, lead Duquesne to a huge win, you know, just like that 1937 Orange Bowl team. Uh, but, I mean, um, yeah, Mike Craig bringing that 3-4 defense over there. And, uh, yeah, Todd Hill is a guy that, you know, definitely – I've known about for a long time. I mean, he was a guy, he, he played at a local high school, still Valley high school um, was a day one starter there his freshman year and was just a kid that just produced and produced and produced throughout his career, just made plays every time you saw him. And it's like, man, like this dude, you know, this dude's good enough to play, you know, I mean, like he can go anywhere. You know, I mean, he can go anywhere he wants in college, but there's the size issue. He's not very tall. And, and you know, and, 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 you know, and, and that's what you'll get a lot of these FCS schools, you know, guys that if they were three or four inches taller, they'd be playing on ACC teams. Uh, you know, instead, you know, they're, you know, they're five, eight, five, nine, you know, like a guy like Todd Hill is. And, and, and you know, so the only way he's going to play on ACC field is when his team, you know, like the school that he ended up going to, they go to an ACC uh, uh, school team and play. So, um, you know, so that's a guy, you know, big time playmaker on that defense. So, like you said, you know, he's going to be playing more of an edge position this year. So, uh, and they're going to try to deploy him a lot of different ways. They're going to try to, you know, uh, uh, keep offense coordinators guessing as far as where he's going to line up out on defense. Uh, but they expect him to have a really, really big year. Uh, you know, uh, Todd Hill, really high impact player. Now, as far as Maxie goes, I'm excited because I honestly don't know a lot about him myself. Um, you know, you know, like, I mean, like other than the fact, you know, I mean, like he, you know, like odd, uh, you know, odd in the fact that, you know, like he came from Austria, you know, didn't have a football background or anything of that. So, I mean, like, I'm going to defer to you on that as far as what type of background that he brings. <laughs> well, I only looked up a few scouting videos and I tried to watch an interview with him, but it was an Austrian. So <laughs> I didn't get a lot out of that. But uh, he's a kid in my, in my opinion, there was a guy that there's a guy that used to play at Wake Forest, and I, I'm going to butcher his name off the top of my head. I think it was Makita Whitlock. Um, gosh, I think that was his name. I'm trying to Google it real quick. He was an undersized defensive tackle. He was 5'11", like 260, and he just terrorized Florida State and every other ACC team because of his small size, and he was just elusive that he could get through the gaps. Uh, I, I think that's in watching some of the film on, on uh, Radechny, 
that's what I saw. I, I think it'll be a good challenge. Florida State's going to have Darius Washington playing at center uh, in game one, not who they originally were planning to have starting at center. So seeing how well him and the guards can hold up against Radechny, I think that's going to be a, one of the more interesting challenges, I think, for Florida State on offense. Uh, but a couple highlights I saw, he was a kid that could get in the background, chase down a quarterback and strip the ball, a couple other things like that. So uh, personally, I think that's going to be fun. Uh, I, <laughs> he, you know, having that Austrian background, it makes me think of the uh, Florida State defensive end, Bajorn Warner. A few years back, right. who, uh, you know, had that same similar background. Uh, I, you always like to see when those kids come from a non-football background and seeing them progressing because you can see them almost learning year to year. To year. So, um, right, yeah. right. And I mean, um, yeah, like those kids in that situation, it's like, you know, they come to college pretty raw. And, you know, and, and you know, like a kid like Maxi, I mean, he's probably, you know, pretty still probably pretty young in his development. So, you know, the fact that he's come this far already and this gives, you know, guys like him, you know, to play on a big stage, playing against a big time program like Florida State, you know, you go out there and get some good film and, and you know, like you go out there and make some plays and boom, you know, like all of a sudden he's on the NFL radar. So, I mean, you know, I mean, like big opportunity for a lot of these guys come Saturday. Yeah, he, he's, he's, uh, he's a guy that I think, you know, I hope Florida State obviously has success against him, but I think he's a guy, especially in, in game zero, quote unquote, that could expose Florida State a few times as they're still maybe learning a couple different coverage packages or different things like that. Um, last question before we have a little fun. Uh, last year, uh, the game that everybody saw, Florida State dropped uh, 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 an unbelievable game against Jacksonville State. Um, it, it really kind of set the tone for the season. Florida State went on a, a losing skid before finally salvaging their season. It had Norvell on the hot seat. And frankly, I think it probably has Norvell not on the hot seat, but close to the hot seat this year if he underperforms. But, you know, looking at Jacksonville State, I know you're probably not super familiar with them, but based off everything I read, I think this is a solid Duquesne team. Do you think there's any chance that the Dukes could repeat this type of upset down at Tallahassee this weekend? I think Duquesne's coming down to shock the world. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I mean, like that's their goal. That's their goal. But of course, it's going to be a long shot. I mean, I will say this, you know, obviously, like no matter what year Duquesne plays Florida State, uh, you know, Duquesne's going to be a you know, giant, massive underdog in that game. But any chance that they, they have to win a game, you don't want it to be in this situation where Florida state is a year removed from losing to a team like this. So, you know, it's not like, it's not like they're going to catch Florida state sleeping or they shouldn't keep them sleeping or anything like that. You know, like Florida state, you would think would be up for this game and that they're not going to overlook Duquesne or anything like that. And that they're going to, you know, put forth a, you know, pretty strong performance to open up the season. So, you know, I mean, you know, odds are that, you know, Florida state's going to, you know, win this game convincingly, but, you know, then too, at the same time, you know, Duquesne, you know, Duquesne, had never beaten an FBS team until last season. And they did last season. They went to Ohio. Um, you know, it didn't work out in the, in the season opener at TCU. Um, they lost that one pretty handily, but they came back and they, and they went up to Ohio uh, with their apprentice, a quarterback, and they won that game. That was a gigantic win for them. So, you know, a lot of those guys on that team are on this team. So, you know, like they, you know, like there's belief there, like there's belief that they could be a team at that level Um these guys have, you know, a lot of these guys played down at TCU last year, down in Fort Worth. So they, 
so they know what it's like to play in a you know you know in a you know you know in a major college stadium in front of a ton of fans so you know i don't think i don't think a lot of those guys will be shell-shocked there but you know it's one of those things you know if when they line up if you know florida state at least brings their b or c game then then you know this game probably shouldn't be close but but if they take their foot off the brakes you know if they take their foot off the gas a little bit or if they you know you know really turn the ball over have a lot of problems there issues there then you know like you never know you know i mean like this could be a you know, this could be a game that, you know, like we're talking about, you know, come Monday saying, oh, my goodness, Florida State twice, two years in a row they did this. This happened again. Like, how did this happen? And goodness, here in Pittsburgh, this would be just, a, you know, just, a, you know, a gigantic story that, you know, Duquesne, you know, went down to Tallahassee and beat Florida State. I mean, I'm a, you, I, you know, when's the last time Pitt did that, you know? So, I mean, that would be, you know, that would be a huge thing there. So, you know, uh, uh, very unlikely, you know, but, uh, you know, there's always that possibility. You just never know. That's why they play the game, right? Yeah, I, my fear is Duquesne somehow gets an early lead, uh, which Florida State has been known to give up scores on those early scripted drives. And then it just kind of starts creeping into all their heads and they really get in their heads. Yes, uh, I'm really that's that's my fear. Uh, Brad, I, I've had a really good time. You really you know, gave us a lot of information. Uh, I want to end this with a little bit of fun. Um, you know, as, as kids, we had choose your own adventure books. I'm going to kind of give you a choose your own question adventure to wrap us up with a little fun. So three categories to choose from, Brad. Okay. Uh, one, professional wrestling. Okay. Uh, two, TV shows or streaming. Or three, food, mainly snacks. So uh, where do you want to go with the question out of those three categories? Oh, man. I like all three of them, so it's a tough call. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, TV shows and streaming. All right. So two questions. What are you currently watching and what do you recommend? Okay. Okay. Two good ones. Um, so currently I'm, 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 I'm like trying hard to, you know, get all caught up with better call Saul. Uh, you know, had David, uh, um, had watched it a couple years ago, got through about two seasons and stopped for whatever reason, but now I've been binging it, uh, over the past maybe month or so didn't get, you know, didn't get quite caught up enough to be able to watch the series finale in live time last week, but, uh, I'm on to the last season and, you know, that's definitely one I would highly recommend. And as far as other shows, uh, you know, probably, uh, you know, probably one that my wife and I probably enjoyed the most recently, big fans of Ozark, uh, you know, like, I'm sure there's a lot of Ozark fans out there, but, uh, you know, that was probably one of our most favorite ones, uh, that we've had recently. Also looking forward to getting involved with the Manti Teo, uh, documentary too. A lot of people, you know, uh, yeah, a lot of people saying about how crazy that is, you know, like I've watched the first one, uh, but still have not seen the second one yet. So, um. I'm like, have you had a chance to watch those yet? No, I, 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 the, the Manti Teo, I haven't, I was reading some snippets from it. And the thing that kind of stands out is people probably are thinking like, man, how could somebody fall for that? Like we didn't have all of the same internet technology yes. that we had that Teo had back then. So uh, getting catfished pretty easy. I have finished better call Saul. Uh, I was watching it pretty much as it was coming out. I don't know how far you are into the last season. So real quick, we're going to drop a spoiler warning. We're talking Better Call Saul spoilers for just a second. I don't know how far you are into this season, Brad. Uh, do you know? Do you mind sharing yeah. where you are? Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm um, I'm to the halfway point. Uh, I just got through. Uh, I just got through episode seven yesterday. So um, I'm about to hit the stretch run here. Okay, is is uh is that the part with the Howard Hamlin culmination? Yes, exactly. Oh, right. Which man. which oh my goodness, man, talk about just like wow, you 
I did not see that coming, but uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, like pretty wild ending there uh, to episode seven there of season six. So um, yeah, definitely looking forward to seeing how you know things kind of pan out here. Now you know just the fact that you know we've seen Breaking Bad, you know, like we kind of know that like certain characters aren't going to be off, but you know there are certain characters that weren't really didn't make appearances on Breaking Bad. So I'm kind of wondering what their fates are going to be. Yeah, one of the few times I can remember recently where I kind of audibly gasped while watching a show during that uh, that, yes. that particular scene. I was just like, <laughs> and and like not, my my wife doesn't watch it, my brother doesn't watch it, none of my close friends watch it. I was just like, I need somebody to talk to about this. It, <laughs> it was uh, it was just one of those one of those moments like on a ten o'clock on a Monday night, going, well, crap, now I just got to go to bed. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, so uh, awesome brad uh real quick share with everybody where they can catch you either on twitter uh or, or out there on the on the uh inter- on the interwebs <laughs> sure um yeah you can catch me on twitter uh my um uh, my tag on there is at be real 412 be real 412 412 being the area code uh here in western pa uh and uh you can catch our stuff in the pittsburgh post gazette uh we start our high school football season starts uh, here on Friday. Did you guys start your season yet, uh, or 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 do you guys start this week as well? Yeah, we had some games last weekend uh, with, with some of the, the players kind of shining out. Uh, a couple of the receivers really did well, and, and one of Florida State's kind of underrated linebackers, Ward, had a pretty good game. Not everybody started, but we are starting to see that kickoff as of last week. Um, and one thing uh, that your readers, listeners might want to check out, um, uh, if you come on to postgazette.com, uh, we, um, I did a, a, a big preseason piece on a junior, on a local junior football player named Quentin Martin, who's one of the, um, uh, one of the top players in the class of 2024 Florida state is on his, uh, uh, is on his early list of top schools. So, uh, you know, like he came down for, he came down for a visit this summer. So, uh, you know, that's a kid, I mean, big, you know, big time athlete, uh, you know, might either play could play anywhere from running back to wide receiver to linebacker to safety in college. We just don't know yet, but, um, but uh, you know, yeah, like you want to keep, um, um, you, know, you want to keep tuned on the post because that here this fall to uh, see what kind of season Quentin Martin has. Yeah. I'm just looking him up. He's already a four star in the top 50 composite rating or actually in the top well, top 15 composite rating. Yeah. So uh, that's somebody we'll definitely keep an eye on. I got some guys that cover recruiting that we, we kind of podcast sometimes off. Uh, I'll bring that name into discussion and have them give him a look. Uh, awesome. Brad, it's been awesome. I, I now feel like I know more about Duquesne uh, than I ever knew. Like, I, I have a better idea of actually where Duquesne actually is location-wise. <laughs> so uh, I really appreciated it, man. Um, no problem. No problem. Yeah, that was good talking to you. Yeah. So for all of our listeners, check out, check out Brad on Twitter. We'll have this posted on our site here shortly. And uh, this is our plan every each week to try to contact one of the local guys, get more information and bring you more uh, each week with Tomahawk Nation's Line of Scrimmage podcast. This is Tim Allenball. Thanks for listening.